You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. Or you can go to our amazing webpage at letstalktorah.net. That's letstalktorah.net. And, of course, I will answer as many questions as I can. You can put your questions there. You can check the archives. You can check the new shows. Um, and, of course, you can hit that all-important donate button. And you can choose one of the levels. Whatever level works for you, of course, works for us. And we do appreciate it. And it allows the show to grow and to keep going. So, again, please be generous and help us out and hit those donate buttons. So we just had our family trip. We go up. This is the midwinter break for school. The kids are out of school. So we pack up to a friend's farm. We go into the Charlevoix area. And this year I was even more prepared because supposedly they had had like two and a half or three feet of snow. And I bought snowshoes. I was pumped. The problem was that last week not only was it warm, but there was a lot of rain. And the rain was knocking down the snow. I even just read in Gaylord, they canceled one of these big uh, snowmobile get-togethers because there just wasn't enough snow for snowmobiling. But I was holding out hope that, that we would have enough. But 9.30 in the morning, get my text from Elizabeth. So sorry. The snowmobiling is not going to work. There's just not enough snow. And I said, what about the ATVs? And it's the same problem. It's all mud. you got to dig up the field. It's not going to happen. So uh, some of my kids are still sleeping. Um, but my son, um, one of the sons was not. And I broke the news, and he was all upset. He was all upset. And I understand the highlight. We talk about this trip. The highlight of this trip is that everybody gets their snowmobile, and they zip around, and we go for an hour and a half, and... We're on the, like, you feel big on this machine. It's like, whoa. And he was disappointed and unhappy. And I said, look, I said, we're not going snowmobiling. It doesn't matter. We could call a hundred times. We could be upset. The situation is not changing. We are not going snowmobiling. We'll find other stuff to do. We'll find other ways of entertainment. They won't be snowmobiling, but there's nothing we could do. So either you're just going to accept the fact that we're not going snowmobiling and figure out together how we can enjoy our weekend, or you just be mopey and unhappy and be done. It took him time. I mean, everybody was disappointed, but most everybody's a little bit older. 
It took him time, but he did eventually come around, and we actually had a wonderful, fun, enjoyable weekend. So it's not that there was no snow. It was like, you want to make a snowman? This is the snow. The problem was as soon as, for those who are professional snowman makers, as soon as you started rolling the ball, all the snow from the ground picked up, and you saw the grass. Right, which tells you as soon as that snowmobile makes its first pass, everything is torn up. That, that's it. The snow is completely off the ground. So we made three big snowmen and then like one other ball, which I think became a chair because the snow was really heavy. So the kids were out they're rolling down the hill and sliding down the hill. And we took sleds and we went sliding. Not There's a huge hill to the street that I didn't let, but... Back uh, by one of the driveways, there's a big hill. The kids went sledding there. And we got our snowshoes on again, and we, we trekked around. Snowshoes are very cool. Now, if there would have been two feet of snow, that would have been, like, amazing because instead of your feet, you know, legs sinking down a foot or two here, you um, you walk on top, but it was still pretty fun. Um, we also built a thousand-piece puzzle. Um, that was a family affair that took Thursday night. Friday afternoon, um, we don't build puzzles on the Sabbath. It's a type of writing. Um, Saturday night, and this son, who is upset, so Sunday morning, everybody's sleeping in, but I'm up early, and he's up early, and and the puzzle the kid that worked on late Saturday night, so you're probably missing about 200, 250 pieces, but it's like fresh eyes. So all of a sudden, he finishes up one side, and we look under the table, and we find some missing pieces, um, we ate so much food. I think I got sick from all the eating. Uh, we just ate and cakes and waffles and ice cream and and uh, pizza and popcorn. And who knows what we 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 ate? Whoa, whoa, we ate. We need a week of not eating to get rid of all that food. Um, and then Sunday afternoon we went to like this hands-on museum. It was pretty cool, very entertaining for the children. I think it's called Raven Hill up in like, I don't know what city it's called, if it's Ellsworth, I'm not exactly sure which city it's in, but it's Ravenhill, nice shout out to them, great place, kids had a good time, very entertained, very nice lady there, to get up there's this really steep hill, if there would be any accumulation of snow on that hill, unless you're in a four-wheel drive, you're not getting up, and my minivan, we just floored it, got up to the top of the hill miraculously, then went tubing in Gaylord, and came home late Sunday night. So overall, it was a great trip. But I think the best part, and again, the family part, of course, is the highlight. It's just the kids together. We play a lot of games, and and we're you know we're disconnected from uh, from from the world we live in um, for the whole year. And you're just with family. We really had a great time. But the lesson may have been even more important: just that you don't. Life is not always what you would like it to be. And things don't always work out as planned. So can you learn that when life is not the way you planned it, can you deal with it? Can you accept it? Can you learn to enjoy the time you have? Or are you just going to be moping and miserable? That really, that takes maturity. I mean, even adults have difficulty when things don't work out. But it, it's it was a good lesson. It was good. It was a good learning time. We still had a good time. We still enjoyed 
if you would have told me there was no snowmobiling, I still probably would have gone up. But at least I would have been prepared. And uh, But now we're back. And here we are getting ready for this amazing Torah portion of Jethro. Yisro. The Torah portion of Jethro, uh, again, Yisro, is really made up of three parts. Part one is Yisro coming to join the Jewish people. And he comes with Moses' wife, Tzipporah, and their two children. And they're gonna, we're going to talk about it. That's Jethro showing up, Yisro showing up, and uh, setting up the court system. That's part one. Part two of the Torah portion is the week leading up to the Jewish people receiving the Torah. So all the preparations and Moses going up and down the mountain and different messages back and forth. That's part two of the Torah portion. And part three is the Ten Commandments. So I, this week, would like to, our first show, I'd like to spend the bulk of the time on Yisro showing up. And the second show, we're going to talk about the preparation and worth listening, a amazing thought that a friend of mine had last night. We were studying last night, and we were talking about honoring parents, and he came up with a brilliant thought about honoring parents and what it's doing in the first of the two tablets, uh, like the opposite of how you normally think, but I, I think it's really a great thought, but that you're going to have to wait and listen to the second show, which hasn't even been produced yet, but... It will be by the time you're listening to this one. So, first things first, it says, Vayishma Yisro. Yisro heard. Yisro heard, and he came. So, there's two famous questions on this verse. And there's pages of rabbis that try to answer this question. The first question is, what did he hear? And the second question is, when did he come? And I guess if you can decide when he came, then you can decide what he heard. Now, it's true the Torah actually tells us what he heard, and still the rabbis discussed what he heard. It says he heard the Jewish people left Egypt. So, what didn't he hear? Almost sounds like, and if you like that the Torah should go in order... So then um, that means he did not hear about the receiving of the Torah because it didn't happen yet. No matter which way we're going to answer this question, there's difficulties with different verses. That's why there's such a, a long discussion about what's going on over here. So we're going to try to take it slow. We're going to try to answer some of the verses and see how it works. But before we begin, you have to know a rule. The rule is the Torah does not have to be in order. Torah does not have to be in order. It is not a storybook with a beginning, middle, and end. Yes, most of the Torah overall, when you look at it, is in order. That's true. But in, in individual places, the Torah doesn't have to be in order. For example... The Treaty of the Pieces, where God made with Abraham, that he told Abraham the Jewish people are going to be in a land that's not theirs for 400 years. So it is clear um, through the verses that Abraham was 70 years old 
at the time of the the Treaty of the Pieces. But this story takes place after, at least in the Torah, if you look through the order, Abraham's already come to the land of Israel. Abraham, the Torah tells me, was already 75. But this story, is he's certainly 70. So not everything in the Torah has to be in exact order. There could be other mitigating reasons why the Torah chooses to tell me things not in order. We had in last week's Torah portion, the the Torah is talking about the about the food from heaven, the manna. So at the end of that Torah portion, that that uh, when they're talking about the man, so it says Moses tells Aaron to put away a jar of man. That story takes place at the end of the desert. That's forty years later. So why is it here? So that's an easy answer. The answer over there is because we're just trying to get the whole story of the man, and we're not going to really talk about the man too much. There will be one more place in Baloscha, but we're trying to get the the gist of the the Torah portion of the man all together, so even though some stuff takes place way later, we brought it over here. So again, it doesn't must be in order. So if I tell you that Yisro, according to some, came after the Torah was given, even though that happens um, later in this Torah portion, that's okay. You just have to have a good reason why you want to put things out of order. Like, why? So it says like this. Ezra himself clearly states that Yisro came after the Torah was given. Why? So he brings down from a few different verses. First of all, it says that when it says that Yisro came to Mount Sinai, where the Jewish people were camped there. Now, if we're going to be in order, right, they just got here, right? As the, the Torah portion, the chapter right after this, um, is the week preceding up to um, the receiving of the Torah, and they've only been there for, and that takes place at the end of the week. So you wouldn't say you were camped there if, you've, if you just got here. So he says it's totally out of order. Second of all, it's going to say that Yisro, after uh, Moses brings him into the camp, right, says uh, Yisro shows up and he can't get in. The clouds are surrounding the Jewish people. So he sends a, he gives a letter to the cloud or a sixth letter in the cloud or he shoots an arrow with a letter into the cloud. Moses gets the, the message and he goes out to greet his father-in-law followed by his brother Aaron and the and Aaron's sons, and then the 70 elders, and the whole Jewish people go out to greet Yisro. It's like the world's greatest honor. It's unbelievable. Um, so then it says, after Moses brings him in, and Moses talks about all the miracles that uh, that took place, and, the, and Yisro was so amazed at how God does measure for measure. Perhaps we'll talk about that later if I have time. And it says that Yisro will bring sacrifices. No mention no mention of Yisro building an altar. Well, if there's no mention of Yisro building an altar, that means they had one. Well, but they don't build a tabernacle till, uh, till a few months after the Torah was given. So if Yisro brings sacrifices before the Torah is given, it should say some mention. Usually we mention he built an altar and he brought sacrifices. The fact that there's no mention of any altar lead you to believe that the altar already exists. If it already exists, it has to take place after the Torah was given. 
Um, also, it says they ate bread before God. They sat down to eat bread before God. What was, what's before God? Where's God? Before God is a phrase that's used when the tabernacle is standing. When the tabernacle is sta- standing, we find many places that it says before God. So again, the tabernacle wasn't built until after the Torah was given. Again, more proofs when you're going through the verses that sure sound like that Jethro comes at some time in the future after the Torah was already given. Furthermore, it says the next morning um, after Yisro comes, he sees long lines in front of Moses' tent, and Yisro says, what's going on? And Moses says, no, I'm teaching the Jewish people. They want to know the ways of God. They want to understand what God wants. So it sounds like there's court cases. So if there's court cases, they got the Torah law. They got the Torah law. So now they can have court cases. And Yisro says, you can't do this alone. You're going to have to have judges. But if the Torah wasn't given yet, what exactly is Moses telling people? What are they fighting about? There's no law yet. Another proof, it says that afterwards, it says Moses sent his father-in-law to go back. Really, Moses wanted his father-in-law to stay. And Yisra says, no, he's going back home to bring the rest of his family. So it sounds like they're traveling. Well, if Yisra came before the Torah was given, and now he's leaving soon after the Torah was given, we're not traveling for another year. Sounds like we're already getting ready to leave. So... Again, it sounds like it's way after the time that the Torah was given. So now the question becomes, okay, fine. So you've proven to me through many of these verses that this chapter is out of order. So what's it doing here? If you're gonna, you want it, it's out of order. Great. And the Torah decided not to put it where it really took place. So why'd you put it over here? Now, Without even the answers that I saw, a simple answer could very well be that Yisro is the first convert, right? And the Jewish people are becoming the Jewish people like converts when we receive the Torah. So first the Torah tells me how to treat this first special convert, Moses' father-in-law, and then we'll talk about the conversion of the whole Jewish people to become the Jewish people. That would be like Right off the top, that could be a very simple, easy explanation. Another answer I saw is the end of last week's Torah portion um, talks about when Amalek comes and fights with the Jewish people. So the Torah is sort of comparing and contrasting Amalek, who comes to fight with the Jewish people, Yisro, who comes to join the Jewish people. Right? Um, also, Yisro says, right, now I know that there's no God like, like Hashem. Why? So we've talked about this in the past, that um, when the Egyptians, when the Pharaoh made the plans to drown the Jewish babies, the concept behind that plan was that God punishes measure for measure, and since God promised to never bring a flood, he won't be able to punish us. What does God do? God 
allows the Egyptians to convince themselves to run into the Red Sea that was split, and he brings the water on them. So God didn't flood the world, but he did punish them measure for measure. So Yisro is saying, I see through here that God is the God, right? Now it's through miracles we learn to believe in God. And that will make us ready to accept the Torah. Now, his belief in God allows us to be ready to get the Torah. I was telling my class today, the first of the Ten Commandments, it is a debate. If the first of the Ten Commandments, that you have to believe there's a God, is that one of the 613 commandments? Or, if you don't believe in God, there's nowhere to start. It's not a commandment. First, you believe in God. Then you can believe in his commandments, like the Shema we say every day. First, I accept God as God. Now I accept to keep his laws. If I don't accept him as God, what's the point? Right? Um, there's other reasons, multiple reasons. I think we got a couple of good ones over there. So if you say that the, the Torah portion of the story of Yisro showing up with... Moses' children um, is out of order, so we brought a lot of good proofs. The Ramban, the Ramban doesn't like it. The Ramban says, if you, right? He says, it's it's gotta be, it's gotta be, the Ramban says, in order. First things first, Yisro comes, Moses brings him to his tent to talk about the miracles that God did for the Jewish people. Now, leaving Egypt is a great miracle, but to totally leave out that we got the Torah, which, like, the world, the world knew what was going on. The, like, this is, like, the greatest revelation ever that God reveals himself and talks to millions of people. Never happened ever again one time in history that millions of people were able to basically understand God and listen to God talk and you forget to tell that to Yisro, you just want to about leaving Egypt? That's crazy. John Bond says there's no way that it's out of order. Second of all, um, it's hard to fathom. Now, no matter what, this is going to be a problem. But we do really have a problem um, if you say that that Yisro came after the Torah was given. That means Moses' two kids were not there when the Torah was given. That is hard to fathom. That Moses' own family missed the receiving of the Torah. Like, like, how, how do you even deal with that? Um, so, therefore, now there are there are obviously we had a lot of questions we asked before, and the Ramban has to deal with all those questions, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, the Ramban says that this is all in order. Jethro comes before the Torah is given, and this it says that Jethro uh, went back home. This happens to be debatable. Some say that if you weren't in Egypt, you didn't deserve to hear the Torah. Now, it's, Jethro has a problem. He, he, he doesn't. He even if he would stand there, he wouldn't understand the word. He it, he wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't connect. The only way you can actually receive the Torah 
at Mount Sinai was if you went through the slavery. It's the only way. Okay. So it says, very interesting, it says that Vayishma Yisro Yisro heard and he came. So you got to wonder, he's the only one, the only one in the whole world. The world heard about the splitting of the Red Sea. I know they didn't have the... They didn't have uh, all the newscasts and the networks and the emails and the and the LinkedIn's and the Facebookers. Uh, how they find out? I don't know how they found out, but the world knew about the splitting of the Red Sea, and nobody showed up. How could that be? And why did it cause Yisrael to show up? Like what? What happened? So there's a story that I tell. There was a Russian soldier. And at least in the old days, I can't say nowadays, but in the old days, you know, Mother Russia was more important than a soldier's life, and you dare not retreat. Better be killed than retreat. There's a nice Jewish boy, he's a soldier on the front lines, and he knows this is bad. So he says, God, if you could do something to, to get me out of this front line, I will go study Torah in, in yeshiva. All of a sudden, a shot rings out. His finger is hit by a bullet, and he faints from the pain. They take him to the hospital. And a few weeks later, it becomes clear that his trigger finger is paralyzed. Ugh. I can't finish the story. Anyways, we, as always, I hope you enjoyed it. Short and sweet. The music is playing. Thank you, of course, to all wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. I have Alan in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Toro on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build. Every room inside is filled with things from far.